Before the sermon begins today, I'd like to invite you to look in your bulletin. I think you'll find one of these cards here. It's entitled Letting Go. This is the new sermon series that we'll be beginning next week. Our worship emphasis over the next several weeks will be letting go of who we think we're supposed to be and embracing who we are. And uh, I'd like for you to take these cards home with you, and if you know someone that uh, doesn't have a church home, maybe hand the card to them and invite them to come and to be your guest over the coming weeks, or you can put it on your refrigerator to remind you. But I think God is really going to do some, some great things through this worship emphasis. Next week's theme is letting go of what other people think about you. Letting go of what other people think about you. So I hope that you'll be present here uh, next week and in the weeks to come. You know, was, uh, you know how it is, it's easy to get sucked into something online. You start reading one article, it leads to another. Well, the other day I ran across an article of what was happening in the world 50 years ago this year. And I'm oh so close to have been born then, but not quite yet. So I learned a lot of things about what was happening in the world 50 years ago that I didn't really know. One of the things that I learned is that Paul McCartney died. The Beatles. <laughs> Hear me out. In 1969, in September, this word began spreading across college campuses everywhere that in 1966, Paul McCartney of Beatles fame was killed in an automobile accident. And that the police covered it up because they didn't want to deal with the pandemonium that would ensue if they it was revealed that one of the Beatles had passed away. And uh, so the police did it, and then, then the Beatles were like, wait, we got a good thing going here. We can't let this gravy train stop. So they found a lookalike, and he assumed the role of Paul in the band, and they just kept right on going. And, and, and it turns out maybe it was a rumor. Or, or, or maybe it wasn't. I mean, listen to the proof. The proof that they used to decide that Paul McCartney had died, one of the things that they said was, is if you bought the White Album, and one of the songs there, you actually played it backwards on your record player, that it said something about a dead man. And then if you listen to Strawberry Fields Forever, that you can, you can hear, some people said that you could hear John Lennon say, I buried Paul. Not enough proof for you? Okay. Well, the best proof that they used to determine that Paul McCartney actually died in 1966 was the Abbey Road album cover. And I've got it here on the screen. So we're going to show you once and for all that Paul is dead, okay? So here's why we know that. John Lennon is the guy in the white suit there. We all know what white symbolizes, right? It symbolizes angelic figures. It symbolizes the heavenly realm. And so John is wearing the white. Ringo Starr is in black. We know what black symbolizes. That's what the undertaker wears when you die. So, then you look at George Harrison. He's the one in the blue denim there. You know, that's what the grave diggers wear. You ever been to a funeral? They always got on the denim. Y'all don't believe me. I, I'm not making this up. And then you look at Paul. 
There's some different things about Paul here is what proved to them that Paul actually died. The first thing you're going to notice about Paul in the album cover is that Paul is not in step with the other Beatles. If you notice that all the other Beatles are about to step down with their left foot, Paul is out of step. He's about to step down with his right foot. And speaking of feet, look what Paul is not wearing. You can't really see it here, but he's not wearing any shoes. And everybody knows that in many cultures, when you die, they bury you without shoes. See, I'm building the case here. It's not all, though. That little white Volkswagen in the corner back there, uh, if, you looked at the, if you were able to see that license plate, it has the number 28 on it, which happens to have been the age that had Paul been survived, he would have been when this album cover was taken. And then if you look just over John Lennon, there's a police van there. That's symbolic of the police who covered this whole thing up in 1966. I haven't even turned the album cover over to the backside. There's some more stuff there. You can read about it online if you want to. But everybody thought that, uh, or a lot of people thought that John Lennon died, uh, Paul McCartney died in 1966. 66. Okay, so how am I going to tie that into Easter? (laughs) Um, On Holy Friday, the acquaintances of Jesus, which included the women who had followed Him all the way from Galilee, watched Jesus die on the cross. They saw it with their own eyes. They saw Him bleeding profusely. They saw Him breathe His last breath. They saw a man, a noble and upright man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. And Joseph went and requested permission to take the body of Jesus down from the cross. They then saw Joseph of Arimathea wrap that body in white linen. Not John linen, white linen. Um, And then they put him in a tomb. A tomb that had never been used by anyone else before. And then they rolled this massive stone over the entrance so that no one could easily get inside to steal the body. They, women had prepared spices to anoint Jesus, a proper anointing for His burial. But Sabbath was coming and they didn't have time. And so they actually had to take their spices home with them and they came back on that Sunday morning at dawn. They were going to have that stone rolled away one last time, and they were going to anoint Jesus' body with those spices. But when they got there, the stone was already rolled away. And when they walked inside that tomb, there was no body. They walked in there looking for death and they didn't see anything. They were, they were so perplexed. They, they didn't really understand what was going on. And then suddenly, two men dressed in dazzling white appeared and they asked the women a question. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. 
And then the two men said, remember what He told you while you were with Him in Galilee. He he told you that He was going to be handed over to sinners. He told you that He was going to be crucified. And He told you that three days after that, He was actually going to rise from the dead. And so those women that had gone into that tomb looking for death instead of life, they began to recall exactly what it is that Jesus had said to them. How He really had said that He was going to be handed over to sinners. How He really had said that He was going to be crucified and that three days later He was going to rise from the dead. And and, and so it, it, it helped them to begin to connect the dots to see that yes, both death and resurrection was a part of the plan of God all along and that this really had happened, and that Jesus really had resurrected from the dead. And so those women ran back to tell the apostles and and the other followers that had gathered around what they had seen and what they had heard when they went into the garden tomb that morning. Luke even tells us what their names are in Scripture. And and some speculate that the reason why Luke names the women at this point is because that these women would have been well known to the community at that time. That these women uh, would have been trustworthy sources. And so, if you're going to make this claim that Jesus is risen from the dead, you want eyewitnesses who can be trusted. And so, that's why these women uh, names are given here. And yet what we're told is when they go tell the apostles and the other followers what they had seen and experienced at the tomb that morning, then all of the apostles just said, ah, that's just an idle tale. It's really not true. In fact, the only apostle that even went to investigate on his own was Peter. And what we're told is that Peter goes into the tomb and he kind of looks around and he finds everything empty just as the women had said. And then he walked away, not necessarily convinced that Jesus had raised from the dead, but he walked away wondering what in the world is going on here? What is happening? And so... What we have here, if you're scoring at home, is you have a lot of people who don't believe that Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. Many of the apostles and the followers of Jesus. But there are a few, there are a few that believe that Jesus has been raised. And that are the women that went to the tomb on that morning. And that's why we have this story. Because He's risen from the dead. And so I want to ask you this morning a variation of the same question that the two men in dazzling white asked when they uh, talked with the women that morning. The variation of the question is, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? And are you looking for signs of the living among your dead? Are you looking for signs of the living among your suffering? Among your heartache? Among your heartbreak? Or your loss? Are you looking for life in the midst of darkness? How many of you uh, remember Mr. Rogers? Remember Mr. Rogers? Um, Mr. Rogers was like 
a part of my life growing up. Watched him all the time, every morning. You, you might remember Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. He was a Presbyterian pastor. And, and so a lot of his faith uh, came through in the lessons and the morals that he taught us on his television show um, every single day. Um, again, maybe this says I spend way too much time on Facebook, but I was on Facebook the other day, and you know, as has that memory section where it brings up stuff that you posted years ago. Well, apparently, several years ago, around this time, I posted a meme uh, that featured a quote from Mr. Rogers. Would y'all put that? Thank you. It says, When I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say, Look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. To this day, especially in times of disaster, I remember my mother's words. And I am always comforted by realizing that there are still so many helpers. So many caring people in this world. When I asked the question this morning, are you looking for life, for living in the midst of your death and in the midst of your suffering? If you are, if you are, I think you're going to find resurrection. I think you're going to find life. That's exactly what Mr. Rogers is talking about in this quote. In the midst of some of the world's darkest tragedies, there, there is evidence of light and life springing forth from the worst of circumstances. If we're looking for life in the midst of death, I think we'll find it. I know it's been true in my own life. My dad was an alcoholic. For most of my life, so drunk every night that he couldn't even stand up, crawling to bed. He always provided us with the basic necessities of life that we needed, but you could count on him to be drunk at every baseball game I played in, every performance that I had in theater. He would be an embarrassment to me. He'd be an embarrassment to my family. It's just it's awful. When I was a freshman in college, my dad decided to get sober. And so he went to a rehab facility. And during a routine exam for the intake procedure, they took some blood work. And they found out that my dad was dying. And I was so mad at God. I'd had a drunk for a father my whole life, and now he's decided to get clean and sober, and he's found out that he's dying. But there was light in the midst of that dying. There was life in the midst of that dying. One Sunday morning, my dad got up and put on a suit. We thought he must be going to a funeral visitation. That's the only time we'd ever seen him in a suit. And he went to church. 
He bought a Bible, and he began to read that Bible every day. He signed up for the Disciple Bible Study, uh, one of the most intense Bible studies you could sign up for. I, I wouldn't recommend it for somebody just starting to read the Bible, but my dad signed up for Disciple Bible Study to this day. Two of the most treasured possessions I own is that first Bible and that first Disciple Bible Study book where my father is reading Scripture probably for the first time and making notes in the side of the epiphanies that he's having as he's reading it. And then one Sunday, his pastor called me up and said, Tommy, your dad has told me that he wants to be baptized. And I'm wondering, could you break away from your church this Sunday and be present? And I said, absolutely. And so I showed up at church that Sunday morning. He didn't know I was coming, so I slid into the back row, what some of you tried to do this morning, but you were too late to get here. Um, Somebody beat you to it. I slid into the back, and it came time for my dad to come down forward and be baptized. And his pastor said, C.H. is coming to be baptized today, but I'm not going to do it. Because I want His Son to do it. So I got to baptize my own father. There was life in the midst of death. And I think that's the Easter message that I want to leave with you today. That we gather together on Easter Sunday morning and we're celebrating the risen Christ, how He defeated death over 2,000 years ago. But the truth of the matter is is that Jesus is still in the business of bringing life out of death. And I'm not just talking about when you and I die and we go to spend eternity with God. I'm talking about in every one of our situations in life where there is darkness and despair, where there is heartache, where there is heartbreak, where there is loss, and where there is suffering, we serve a God that is in the business of trying to bring forth life out of that. The question is, are we looking for it? Are we looking for the life that will come out of our darkness. And my prayer is that if we are, that we will see it. My prayer is that regardless of what kind of suffering or loss or despair that you're experiencing in your life right now, what kind of, what kind of death or dying that you're experiencing, that if you will pray for the grace to see life springing forth from that, my prayer for you is going to be that you see it. That's the good news of the Gospel. Is that Jesus can take seemingly hopeless situations and bring forth life. Thanks be to God.